The night covered the sight of them, but they were still there in every man's mind, a hated, crawling plague sifting the earth like gold-seekers. They were there with their retching green smell and their racket, as of a herd of cattle in a dry cornfield. Across two miles of good bunch-grass land they had squirmed, eating all but a few weeds, stripping leaves and bark from the trees. They had dropped from the sky upon Urban's home place the night before, at the end of a hot July day. They had eaten every scrap of harness in the yard, gnawed fork handles and corral bars, chewed the paint off his house, and left holes where onions and turnips had been in his garden. By night, four square miles of his land had been destroyed. His only stream was coffee-colored with hopper excrement and the glistening brown insects called Mormon crickets were moving on toward the valley's heart, as voraciously as though wagon-loads of them had not been hauled to a coulee all day and cremated in brush-fires, and no man knew when a new batch of them might come across the hills. Sterrett frowned. He was a dark-faced cattleman, with a look of seasoned toughness, a lean and sober man, who in his way was himself a creature of the land. "'Well, there's one thing,' he said. "'What's that?' Cowper asked. "'We could pray.' Cowper's features angered, but it was his foreman, Bill Hamp, who gave the retort. "'Pray for seagulls, like the Mormons?' "'The Mormons claimed they had pretty good luck.' With an angry flourish, Hamp flung the dregs of his coffee on the ground. He was a drawling, self-confident Missourian, with truculent pale eyes and a brown mustache. The story was that he had marshaled some cowtown a few years ago, or had been a gunman in one of them. He had been Cowper's ramrod on his other ranches in New Mexico and Colorado, an itinerant foreman who suited Cowper. He did all Cowper asked of him kept the cows alive until the ranch could be resold at a profit. To Hamp, a ranch was something you worked on from month to month for wages. Land, for him, had neither beauty nor dimension. But he could find appreciation for something tangibly beautiful, like Tom Cowper's daughter, Lynn. And because Sterrett himself had shown interest in Lynn, Bill Hamp hated him, hated him because Sterrett was in a position to meet her on her own level. Hamp kept his eyes on Sterrett. "'If Urban ain't got the guts to say it, I have. Set fires! Burn the hoppers out!' He made a sweeping gesture with his arm. Around the fire, men began to nod. Urban's rabbity features quivered. "'Bill, with the grass dry as it is, I'd be burned out!' Hamp shrugged. "'If the fire don't get it, the hoppers will,' he said. Cowper sat there, slowly nodding his head. "'Tim, I don't see any other way. We'll backfire and keep it from getting out of hand.' "'I wouldn't count on that,' Sterrett said. "'It's take the risk or accept catastrophe,' Cowper declared. "'And as far as it's getting out of hand goes,' There's the county road where we could stop it in a pinch. Best to run off a strip with gang plows as soon as we set the fires, Hamp said. 
he looked at Sterrett with a hint of humor. Downwind from Tim Urban's place at the head of the valley was Sterrett's. Beyond that, the other ranches sprawled over the prairie. Hamp was saying that there was no reason for anyone to buck this, because only Urban could lose by the fire. Sterrett said nothing, and the opinions began to come. Finally, Cowper said, I think we ought to take a vote. How many of you were in favor of setting fires? Let's see hands on it. There were twenty men in the creek bottom. Cowper counted fourteen in favor. The rest of you against? All but Sterrett raised their hands. Hamp regarded him. Not voting? No? Maybe you'd like to vote on a proposition of mine. What's that? That we set fire to Cal...